Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Brand Called You. I am super excited about our guest today, Kit Robeson. I'm excited because on the one hand, I've known Kit for, I'd say, over 20 years. And on the other hand, I've recently realized I don't know Kit at all. But I will tell you, the first time I met Kit was in a hardware store in Jeffersonville, New York, about two hours from New York City in the Catskill Mountains. I think it was in the light bulb aisle. And quickly, we began talking about theology and realized we were kindred spirits. So about two weeks after that, I threw Kit in my car and we drove up a sinusoidal hill, 209 past Ellenville, um, to hear a incredible lecture series by the famous Bruce Chilton, um, professor of theology at Bard College, whose specialty is the Jewish roots of Christianity. And it was during these incredibly interesting rides that I was so enlightened by Kit about Christianity. I mean, he, <laughs> Kit actually taught me about Judaism um, and I'm Jewish. And it was really remarkable. And um, I felt such a kinship. And eventually Kit got transferred um, doing missionary work in places like Honduras, Long Island, and Florida, among others, and we kind of lost touch. Um, but then through the magic of Facebook about a year ago, Kit's face suddenly reappeared, um, although in slightly different form. Um, the Kit I knew, a family man, a husband, uh, a father to children that were remarkable, had become a woman. Um, Kit transitioned, and I hadn't known it, nor had I any inkling that there was anything vaguely uncomfortable about his being, um, although he would later admit to me there was. Um, and I'm, I'm super fascinated about this experience. Um, just briefly, um, and I'm so frightened, I'm going to get my pronouns wrong, uh, Kit, but um, she uh, lost her job at the Lutheran church, um, ended a marriage, um, and there were so many transitions, and I want to hear about it all, so welcome, Kit. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's been a long time since that light bulb aisle in Jeffersonville, New York, hasn't it? <laughs> it has, and and I mean, I guess, I guess it's, my story is not so unusual that so many people I know who've had friends that transition didn't have an inkling that anything was looming inside the person they were friends with. Um, but I guess that's not true, is it? Well, no, and yet at the same time, I think when we met, I didn't have any inkling. I should have. You didn't? Um, but, you know, it has always been there. Uh, but I had buried it so deep in a closet, I didn't even know I had a closet. Um, and then one day a friend asked me the question, do you, do you hear how you refer to yourself? And I referred to my wife and my kids and myself as the corporate we and the corporate she. You would say we girls, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly. It was we girls are going off to do X, Y, and Z. And so when I was not paying attention, my self-referent was female. Did you, did you have like a, a network of guys? Did you do guy, you know, classic guy stuff? I tried. I tried. I tried very hard to be a guy. It, you know, and it's funny because when I transitioned, a couple of my parishioners said, but you're so stereotypically male. And I'm like, there's a problem. Right? Um, I adopted a male construct. 
it wasn't just who I was, it was this construct. And so I came across as stereotypically male because the only way for a woman to be a man is to say, oh, okay, so this is what it means to be a man. This is the box I need to fit in, let me fit. Um, but even they go back, like, uh, I don't remember if you remember, if you remember the day to be gay. Uh, up, it was over in, in North Branch. And it was a family-friendly version of Pride, basically. Rural family-friendly version of Pride. Up Seems in the like an oxymoron, but I'll believe you. Um, and I think it was Victoria uh, was announcing, said, you know, sort of, okay, we're going to do a tug of war. All the femmes over there, all the butches over there. And I just said, I can't do this. Because I knew where I wanted to be at some level and I knew where the world expected me. I was the pastor of a church. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you had mentioned to me that you were preppier than preppy. Um, was that also a construct? Like, yeah, oh, totally. My ever since, the, from the age of thirteen on, my life is a construct. But isn't that true for all of us? I mean, don't we all dress the preppy dress when we know it's expedient and so forth? Well, okay. So there's dress the preppy dress, which is fine. You know, I mean, that's just fashion. Or, or even if you decide like this is the area of society I want to be part of, right? I want to be part of that group. That group dresses preppy, so I'm going to dress preppy. Fine. But that generally comes out of who you are. You know, it's a, it's a choice in your part. My choice was, what is the thing that's not going to get me noticed? What is the thing that's not going to, that's going to get me liked? What's the thing that's, you know, that the world wants? Because it was sort of the culmination of six or seven years of work. Uh, trying to get to a place where I didn't get beat up on the way home from school. Um, you know, in third grade. I, was, I know it wasn't the Jewish kids beating you up, right? No, 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 no. Uh, they've long been my friends. Oh. <laughs> that was never RMO. We never really had fisty punches, you know? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, but there were, you know, like, I just... And what I know now is that there were two things going on there, right? One is that I'm neurodiverse, so I don't do a very good job of mirroring what the world expects. I don't do a very good job of understanding what other people are implying. Like, I don't get the implications behind the conversation usually. Um, there's a piece of our brain that's actually designed to mirror the emotions of the person across from us. Um, so that we understand, you know, is this friend or foe or, and, and in neurodiverse people, there's, this just goes a little wonky. And, um, and so, kind of clueless? Yeah, basically I was clueless to social norm. <laughs> and, um, so that was getting me beat up. And obviously part of that was that I wanted to play mom when we played house and I wanted heels and I wanted it, you know, like, all the stuff that like in second, third grade, even back to kindergarten, was just not acceptable. 
You know, it's just like I lived in a world where this was just not going to happen. We're talking the, the mid 70s. Well, plus, I mean, you were steeply raised in the Lutheran Church, no? Um, I mean, well, speak- actually, I was raised Presbyterian, this oh. wonderful joint Presbyterian Episcopal congregation. Presbyterian. It sounds like yes. an ice cream. <laughs> so, what uh, I mean, tell me about how that influenced your behavior. Well, it's interesting because I we had a large gay and lesbian population in the congregation. I had a female pastor growing up. So I grew up in fairly progressive spaces, but trans had no representation. Trans just didn't exist in that world. You know, trans was the, the ballroom scene in New York City at that stage of the game. And you never really felt gay. I mean, you never felt attracted to other men really per se. Yeah. No, no, my kids will tell you I was a lesbian trapped in a man's body from, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> what do you mean your kids will tell you? They picked up on saying you didn't? No, that, no, that was the joke in the house when my kids were younger. What? Yeah, my kids would joke around that I was a lesbian trapped in a man's body. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talk about like, you know, there's all these little like details that go way back, you know? Um, as somebody who has autism, I'm subject to meltdowns, not so much anymore, thankfully, I've learned to deal with them, but one of my grandest meltdowns was over a dollhouse that got broken. Whose dollhouse? Mine! As a kid? I had kid? a dollhouse as a kid. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, my father built it for me. I had really cool parents. And it's funny, because like my parents are both the people who taught me how to mask, right? how to put on a a persona that the world could accept. And these really cool accepting people who just wanted me to be me and happy. But but, um, were they surprised when you actually transitioned or was it something that they kind of expected? Well, mom passed before I transitioned. And um, there's some indication she might not have accepted it terribly well that have to do with your timing? Were you waiting for her to? I don't think I was. I, I mean, if I was, it was a subconscious question. Um, certainly in her life, I tried to come out to her uh, towards the end. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you do that? I, I was talking to her about, you know, my feminine side and how I need to embrace more of it and all that. And she's like, whatever you need to do as long as nobody gets hurt. <laughs> did she fully know what you were saying? she did and I think she was sort of like um, batting it off a little bit you know sort of (laughs) blunt and hope that it goes away Um, yeah dad has been a gem my father has been an absolute gem about the whole thing Uh, thankfully at the time that I decided to transition I had two of my daughters living in his house and the older of the two was like, she knew this was coming. And so she says, I'm going to spend a few minutes helping Grampy understand some of the construct stuff before we get there. <laughs> you, you told me that it might've led to alcoholism in your case. Do you think that? Mm, very much so. Can you explain that? Um, I mean, I don't know that it led to alcoholism. It certainly fed my alcoholism. And, and that was, you know, so at 13, I put on this persona that the world could accept preppy, male, I mean, the kid that, I was the kid that the parents loved. 
You shouldn't hang out with my son. Yeah, they were Jewish. Uh, <laughs> he's a bad influence on you. I, I, I just point out that in my marriage, when I got married, there were two Jews and a, and a guy standing with me. And none of the three of them ever went to rehab. And their parents were the ones that thought they were a bad influence on me. Yeah. You know. So anything, anyway, at 13, I found this person. And I also found alcohol. And the reality is the alcohol provided this insulation between me, the real me, and what I was presenting to the world. So, so, so tell me about what happened with your post at Lutheran Church. Um, did, did it, was it a slow dissolution after you announced or were they accepting of it? I'd love to hear what yeah. happened. So the national church was accepting in the sense that, you know, like, okay, so, you know, we, 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 we ordained male, we ordained female, doesn't matter whether you're male or female, we ordain gays and lesbians, so it doesn't matter whether you're gay or lesbian. You know, you know, basically there's a one set of rules that everybody plays by. Was this was this actually codified by the Lutheran Church formally? Yes. What's interesting about that codification is, well, and it's the evangelical Lutheran Church in America, to be very clear. There are a couple of other Lutheran denominations that would not accept this. Uh, Missouri Synod wouldn't accept this. Wisconsin Synod wouldn't accept this. They're just much more. And there's some. There's a couple of other breakaways that have, like many churches, the conservative part of a denomination sort of broke away and did their own thing. Um, so in, in the way it's codified, it says, you know, anybody can be a pastor in the sense of like, so long as they're chaste and they follow all the other rules and they preach and teach according to Lutheran doctrine. And, um, so it doesn't matter whether you're gay or lesbian or trans or cis or, you know, whatever, who, you know, <laughs> um, from the national church, but any given congregation is welcome to call or not call a pastor based upon their understanding of theology. So the congregation may have a much stricter or not stricter, uh, much more conservative understanding of theology, which then means that they don't want a gay pastor or they don't want a trans pastor or they don't want to, and they yeah. don't have to have them. Yeah, that's sort of like the rabbis answering to the crazy boards at their synagogue. Right. But is that what happened in your case? So what happened in my case is I came out the Sunday after Easter, and then we spent. But you I waited. Was, you waited. I waited until after Easter, and then I thought I'll give him a resurrection story. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna resurrect this person. Boy, did you rise! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and um. Until so you, all right, you announced. And I announced, and then we had a night. I mean, paint the picture for me. Where, did Mrs. Peacock in the corner mouth drop, or were they all yawning because they knew already, or what? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, it was a very carefully planned event. 
that um, where uh, you know the there was representation from the synod there, which is sort of a, a larger organization that helps us, um, so that there would be people other than myself to help have conversations with these parishioners if they were just like needed time or you know, needed a conversation. So it was a very carefully constructed, orchestrated event. It went well. I mean, it went as well. Obviously, there were people in the audience that went, what? Had they been paying attention? You know, the hair was starting to grow out. The skin was getting a little softer. Had you been taking Had you been taking hormones? I'd taken hormones. Well, I'd been on testosterone blockers for more than a year, and I'd been on full hormone replacement therapy for couple months at that point. So, so you were, you had planned this well in advance. Yeah. I mean, it, there was six months ahead of that, that I was talking to the Bishop's office so that they would know what was up. And, right. So, know. yeah, but so, so, so were there any kind of shocking reactions or? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the more conservative of the members in the, con- I mean, yeah. So the more conservative members of the congregation, it was just like, too much for them. They didn't, you know, like this is, they don't see this as part of God's kingdom, how God's kingdom works. Um, you know, assigned male at birth, remain male for the rest of your life. This couldn't have come of too much of a shock to you, right? No, I mean, I knew, you know, what I didn't know. I mean, and, and the thing is, that, so we had this like three month conversation, right? And, and in this three month during this three-month conversation, it turns out that uh, I got interviewed by a newspaper in Miami here, um, which led a couple of people to be just mortified and very much worried that this was going to hit the national news and that this is going to become a, a you know a thing. And um, I, you know, I got published in a local newspaper and, and sort of dissipated from there. Nothing happened. Um, but after the 90 day conversation, then we had a vote on my tenure there as a pastor. I was due for a vote anyhow. It has to do with some funny work around the fact that I was basically plunked into this congregation and told, here's your pastor. And in three years, you're gonna vote on whether or not to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> we were at the three year mark anyhow. And so I just made this part of that whole conversation about whether or not I should continue. Um, interestingly, while I didn't have the two-thirds vote necessary to stay, I did have more than fifty percent mm-hmm. of the congregant of the congregation vote in favor of keeping me there. Um, I mean, were were you devastated? I mean, I think at some level I was in the immediate. You know, like. You're the pastor. This is a big part of who you are. This is a big part of what you do. However, what I also know is that there would have been a piece of me for quite some time that had been questioning, do I believe enough of what the Lutheran church teaches to continue? When when you're installed in the congregation, they, they install you with the promise to preach and teach according to Lutheran doctrine. And it was getting to a place where I was kind of like, 
do I believe enough of what the Lutheran Church teaches to preach and teach according to Lutheran doctrine? And so there's this sort of like parallel track going on at the same time. On the one side, I'm devastated. I mean, this is my congregation. This is the work I do. This is my livelihood. Uh, and on the other side, and this is really the side now that I think I look at and go, yep, I, I, this is the direction it needed to go, even though it's not the direction I would have pushed. You know, um, in Judaism, there's a, a folkloric character, called, well, also biblical, but in folklore, Elijah the prophet, um, you know, he comes down at Passover to sip wine, but he also, God also sends him down to test your faith in God, to teach you lessons. And he comes in disguise, like he'll come as a beggar or a rabbi mm -hmm. or a man. And I'm thinking that sort of God sent you, um, you know, a, 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 a dress and a flowery shirt and some fabulous <laughs> shoes, you know, in the, four, it was kind of Elijah leading you, leading you maybe down the path you always should have been. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I, and I was funny, I was in a, I saw the, somebody was carrying the book of joy today. And it's a, it's a book that is dear to my heart because, you know, I think that the teachings of Jesus make a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm not sure the church does. Anymore. So to, can you, I'm not too familiar with the specifics of Lutheranism, but what part of it did you struggle with? And did you really have a hard time reconciling with? Uh, well, first off, I mean, the whole, I, I really was getting to a place where I struggled with the question of salvation through Christ, which is a basic church tenant. It's not well, just you, a Lutheran Can you break that, break that down for me as a Jewish girl? I'm not, I don't quite know. Yeah. That. So Jesus was this Jew who showed up a couple thousand years ago. Um, and there's historic documentation that this is a real person. I mean, you know, it's outside just the church world. And, um, there was this historic person and he taught a different way. I mean, I think to, to the way you and I would conversate about this is uh, he was sort of the, uh, the reconstruction. He was a groovy reconstructionist rabbi with a guitar. Yeah. And, and, and he taught love and tolerance and all these other really cool things. I yeah. mean, his basic, I mean, the most basic speech he ever gave was to, to put it in Jewish terms, uh, to, to bring the Ten Commandments together, right? Mm -hmm. So the salvation part is something that was, a, that was a, indeed a construct is what you're saying. I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he ever intended it to be salvation through Christ. Uh, and, and there I are some things he that, said. Are you, that, are you implying that he didn't see himself as the Messiah? That's hard to say because certainly to the extent that the stories are true, at least towards the end, he embraced the messianic mantle. But, and this is the, this is the, this is the, 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 the sort of like rub question, right? Did he embrace it as I am the son of God, which would be the, Jew, the, the Christian way of looking at it. Or did he embrace it more in the sense of what we look at when we come into Jew Buddhism, right? 
and you have the bodhisattva. And the bodhisattva are these enlightened beings who choose to stay on earth and pass along some of that, try and be a raft, if you will, to help people coming behind them to the next level, you know? Um, and so it was becoming increasingly harder for you uh, to preach given your cynicism about that extremely yeah. fundamental principle. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the fact that Buddhism was growing in my heart. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I mean, you and I have both studied religion at a fairly deep level. So I think you'll agree that when you get into the highest levels of teaching of religion, or the highest levels of thinking really in religion, not even teaching, but thinking, most of these religions sort of come to some very similar places. And I'm not just talking the Abrahamic religions, but that's why you have the Book of Joy, which was co-written by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Yeah sort of like the pinnacle of Christianity and the pinnacle so you were, of you were, Buddhism came together to write a book. You were, you were kind of feeling like a fraud towards the end of your tenure as a... As a um, let me ask you, um, because we're almost coming to the end of our yeah. time. Wow. Where, where are you now? Um, tell our viewers where you're at. and Well, right. Spiritually as well as uh, vocationally. So, virt I mean, I, I live, reside in Miami these days. Uh, which is wonderful. The weather is great. Um, <laughs> I managed to live where most people vacation. Not a bad gig. Um, but then vocationally, a couple things I do right now. Um, one, I work for Trader Joe's. And because it fits within my life's mission and my life's work, which has become world peace one person at a time like i just work to make to help the next person be at peace with themselves wow i never thought i would find that at trader joe's <laughs> no but i i'm i'm joking but of course yeah. I always believe that you know it's in the in it's in the small interactions that you find god you know it's where right. it's not in the spiritual place per se but it's where the spiritual and the mundane collide Right. Yeah. So and I that, bring this book. That's aisle three. That's aisle three, clearly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to do it in the frozen aisle tomorrow. It's beautiful. Right now, it's the holiday season. I'm doing it by managing the cookie candy section. <laughs> you, you, in, in, all, in all seriousness, do you have many encounters that make you feel like you're do, doing nothing different than you did before in some ways? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just have a bigger congregation than I used to. Uh, <laughs> Wow. And, and I don't worry about whether the paycheck's going to bounce or not. You know, I mean, wow. Was there, was there anything in particular you can remember at, um, at Trader Joe that felt like a kind of particularly spiritual moment? Oh, I mean, like the other week, uh, a few days ago, I even, I was talking to a customer pulled me aside and just wanted to thank me because I'd given them some flowers. I'd found out that they're wife wasn't doing terribly well, was in the hospital. And so I'd given them some flowers to take to their wife. Aww. And so they were back in and they introduced me to their mom. 
Oh. Talked about how much this meant to them and how important it was and how much joy and happiness it brought to them into their world. So, I mean, but isn't that what salvation is about? Wow, I just got so such chills down my spine. You know? Are there any other stories? Oh, there's thousands of just stories. Just give me like one, more, one more, one more, one um, more. So there was a woman that came in and she bought, uh, she buys uh, oriental lilies, right? And she was very particular about oriental lilies. And we had at that point a display of, I don't know, probably two, 300 bouquets of oriental lilies. And she'd gone through and very carefully picked out the ones she wanted. And then went and did her shopping. I had put her cart aside. Somebody thought the cart was abandoned. So they put all the lilies back in the buckets. And then, you know, and then I cut through what happened. And so I went through and talked with her and, and helped her to regather the lilies that she really wanted. And in the process, really learned what she wanted out of a lily, right? And out of that became a friendship, right? So here's a an, an action that could have been like the end of this customer for this star. And instead, it was like every time she came in, she'd go, help me pick out some lilies. And we'd have a conversation. And, and it turns out she was a speech therapist. And so in my part of my transition, she gave me some pointers on how to work on my voice. And, and this whole neat... Wow back and forth yeah. really that came about because you know well, you I tried have, you have not resigned from from the the you know pastorhood oh, you... from pastoring people no, no I, I guess I look at it more locations. as mothering people today than pastoring yeah. people <laughs> yeah yeah um, the other thing is that I'm doing coaching uh mm -hmm. life coaching uh mm -hmm. and I do a I do a weird I call it life coaching, but in fact, I've brought in spiritual direction and I've brought in wow. uh, my counseling background. Wow. And so we can do all of the, you know, like if you ever heard, like you need a coach, you need a spiritual director, you need a therapist. That's you. And I just do it all. And you get, and occasionally you're a florist, you yeah, know. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so are you, are you, I hate to use the word happy. It's so American, but do you feel more content? Um, I am definitely at peace. And that's, see, that's the thing, right? I figured it out. I gave up chasing happiness. I don't chase yeah. happiness. Yeah. I chase peace. Because what I find out is when I'm at peace, right? Happiness follows. Wow. It's beautiful. And you get to wear that those great outfits now. Right? Which, this is my work uniform. That's the best. <laughs> it doesn't look like a work uniform, but it's my work uniform. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best. We can go shopping now. I love it. I love it. Come on down. Fly down. Take a I'm, couple I'm, weeks. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the next plane. I, I got to go. No, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, uh, so much for, for sharing. Um, Thank you for having uh, me. And, and all your other endeavors will be available um, on the website so people can read about what you're up to. And But I can't thank you enough. It was too short, but it was wonderful. Thank you. Well, and, and thank you for this opportunity. No, I'm super happy for you. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you for letting me in. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Always thank a pleasure. You. Bye. Uh, Bye. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom 
of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called Youth.